This podcast contains content and language not suitable for some listeners. Welcome to a very special episode of Oddities and Curiosities, a podcast about murder, the paranormal, and other oddities sure to pique your curiosity. We are Amanda and Mama Britt. (laughs) (laughs) We are both Mamas today because it's episode 100. 100. Holy shit. That's a lot of episodes. <laughs> We're doing it. We're doing it. And people are still here. I'm shocked. Who'd have thunk it? I, 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 you know what? I didn't know what to expect when we started this. I didn't know how far we'd go. Me neither. It was kind of just for funsies. And yeah. then it became a thing. And we love this thing. So we're going to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. As long as you keep coming here. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. You can be as bad as you want. Because mammals can do whatever the fuck they want to. Yeah. We make no apologies. Mm Mm-mm. We're, okay, so here's... we're fed up or over the bullshit. Here's the thing. We decided for our 100th episode, we were going to do kind of like the kids do for their 100th day of school and dress up like 100-year-olds. Yeah. So we're having, like, Golden (laughs) Girls-themed shenanigans, and we're totes here for it. We're having some friends over afterwards. Mm -hmm. They're all dressed the same. You'll see. We're all old. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to take pics and videos, and by the time you hear this, you've already seen. You've probably (laughs) been flooded with it, and you're like, oh my god, there they are again. These drunk bitches. Stop it. (laughs) It is. It's fine. Yeah. Okay, so for episode 100, mm-hmm. our topic is stigmata. Getting serious. <laughs> <laughs> it's going down for real. For real. <laughs> that. <laughs> that was the more serious version of it. Oh, okay, okay. You know, the remix, mm-hmm. but yeah. Okay. Anywho, so. <laughs> <laughs> It's great. All right. So make sure you go to the socials and like our pages so Mm. you can see the shenanigans. You can see the granny garb. You can see (laughs) (laughs) pictures from the episode and play guests that cryptid with us. Oh, yeah. That's definitely a thing. It's a thing. On your to-do list. Always. And so you can see pictures of the hump day treat. Yeah. Because you know what it is? It's hump day. You gotta you gotta dance like a granny. <laughs> oh, you gotta clap. Oh, yeah, they do the clap, but not on time. <laughs> Why are we off time clapping at the same time? Because it's what we do. Okay, Amanda, what did you bring for us on this holiest of hump days? <laughs> Well, today we are going to be enjoying the Holy Eucharist <laughs> in true <laughs> oddities and curiosity style. It's a little odd. It is. It's a little odd. It is. Okay, look, don't come at me. This this week has been a little bit stressful. My oldest is currently in the hospital for the entire weekend for a kidney infection, like severe kidney infection. Poor baby. She's doing better. She's, she's 
progressing. Should be all right. Hi, Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a little short on time. We we did discuss an alternate plan, but we um, roll with the punches around here. Yeah. So I figured. Something small that would taste good and kind of crackerish. We're having bagel bites. <laughs> pizza in the morning. <laughs> pizza in the evening. Pizza at it's supper time. time. If pizza's on a bagel, you, you can, can eat pizza, pizza anytime. anytime. Can't believe I remember that shit. <laughs> Me either. That was a long ass time ago. Maybe maybe it's the wine that's helping us out. Yeah. Right. Tell us about it. So I picked, I picked out a red and we've had this brand before. It's called Reunite, but it's an Italian wine because that's where we're traveling to today. Yeah. And it's a sweet, bubbly, fruity red. Yeah. I think that's what it said. Yeah. It's semi-sweet. It's not too sweet. It's not Moscato no. sweet. Mm-mm. It's perfect, actually. Throw a little ice cubes in there because... I like mine chilled. I don't yeah, care. Well, y'all can, if it's if it's fizzy, I like it chilled. Y'all can argue if you want. I drink all wines, even reds, cold. I just like cold beverages. You know what? You're mm. a grown ass woman. You can do that. And I can white trash my wine with some ice cubes if exactly. I want to. <laughs> Bitch. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so cheers and happy humping and oh, oh man. <laughs> You have been blessed, child. <laughs> this is going to be great. You're now, you're, your sins have been forgiven, and you are free to sin all over again with a brand new list. He ate Catholicism. Look, that's how I used to think of it when I was a kid. I was like, cool, so I can do all this stuff, and then I can go to confession and do it all over again? <laughs> Oi. Yeah. That's why it didn't work out for me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my cow. Okay, anyways, let's talk about stigmata. What is stigmata, Brittany? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I didn't do a case this week. I decided to talk about exactly what stigmata is. Yeah, which is news to me. Uh, Yeah, I just be doing shit. Hey, I'm here (laughs) for it. I'm going to mention some different cases throughout history and talk about what stigmata began as and what it turned into and whether we think it's... Myth the real or um I'm sure by the content it will be quite obvious what my opinion is, but yeah. Let's go. (laughs) Let's do the damn thing. Okay. Stigmata in Christian mysticism is bodily marks, scars, or pains corresponding to those of the crucified Jesus Christ on the hands, on the feet, near the heart, the side from the spear, and sometimes on the head from the crown of thorns, or shoulders and back from carrying the cross and beatings. Yay. So, a myriad of things. <laughs> a stigmatic person may temporarily or permanently have one or more of these wound marks, which may be visible or invisible to others. Some people just feel it, but you can't see it. Yeah. I, yeah. According, <laughs> according to that one. <laughs> right. Hence the oi. (laughs) According to the Roman Catholic Church, the presence of stigmata is a sign of mystical union with the suffering of Christ, and a genuine stigmatic must have lived a life of heroic virtue. How many of those can you find nowadays? Um, I'm fresh out. Mm, Nah. Okay. Along with possession and exorcism, stigmata often appears in horror films. 
I did it good that you time. You did. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm winning. And it's not difficult to see why. Bloody wounds that mysteriously and spontaneously open up are terrifying. And pause for a moment because we were just talking about the awesome 90s movie Stigmata. <laughs> yes. With Patricia Arquette. Yes. If you have not watched that, you should do so. It's, Weekend homework. Yes, it's the shit. So do that. Mm-hmm. Anywho. Um, stigmatics who are typically devout Roman Catholics do not see it as terrifying, but instead as a miraculous blessing, a sign that they have been specially chosen by God to suffer the same wounds his son did. In addition to these wounds, stigmata signs can include many supernatural abilities that a person suddenly develops, abilities that are believed to be gifted from God. These gifts can include, but are not limited to, angelic visions, the ability to converse with God, and the ability to heal others. Okay. You've been healed. (laughs) In In case you didn't know, I was like... Palming an imaginary forehead. Yeah, she was an You've evangelistic preacher. Yeah, you know. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> All right. Okay. Everything's fine. While the wounds of the crucifixion are the first thing that come to mind when hearing the word stigmata, not all stigmatics receive actual open bleeding wounds. Those who do not have real wounds often don't get them all at once, and they may seem to come and go. There are only about 30 stigmatics in existence who have experienced all of Christ's wounds at once. That's an awful lot. I don't want that. Why I, would you? I've, I've always thought it was a fascinating thing, but I do not want that to happen to me. I don't want no. to just randomly. No, thank you. Please. please. <laughs> what if you're like Patricia Arquette in the club dancing and then all of a sudden just blood everywhere? Ew. Yeah. Really cramped her style. Ruined her outfit. Yeah, totally put a damper on the whole night. Yeah, it just does not sound like she's gonna get any. Mm-mm. Nope, not going home with nobody it that night. Walked her and everything. Mm-hmm. That's not cool. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> We're not trying to be sacrilegious, y'all. We're just being funny. Okay, don't just it's, calm down. Yeah, if you don't think it's funny, then you might want to go ahead and fast forward through my entire segment. <laughs> just FYI, <laughs> I'm staying with it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for being a friend. (laughs) (laughs) So in the case of St. Catherine, she too experienced the pain of the crucifixion while having visions and conversations with Jesus for most of her life. The wounds, however, didn't appear until after her death. What? Weird, right? Yeah. There are no known cases of stigmata for the first 1,200 years after Jesus died. It wasn't trending yet. Mm -mm, It wasn't cool. The first example of the alleged infliction of stigmata occurred in St. Francis of Assisi. I love saying that. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Assisi. (laughs) While in his cell on Mount Alverno. 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 Where do you put the infliction? I don't know. But it was in 1224, so a long ass time ago. Okay. Francis had spent the previous few weeks in prolonged contemplation of the suffering of Jesus Christ on the cross, and he may well have been weak from fasting. He certainly was Mm -hmm, weak from fasting. mm -hmm, Come mm -hmm, on. mm -hmm. As he knelt to pray, he began to contemplate the passion of Christ. Francis was purportedly visited by a seraph, like an angelic being, who produced the five wounds of Christ. Francis found that he had five marks two on his palms and two on his feet, where the nails that fixed Christ to the cross were traditionally believed to have been, 
and the fifth on his side, where the Bible says Jesus had received a spear thrust from a Roman centurion. Good times. Yeah. Pope Alexander IV and others (laughs) claimed that they had seen these marks both before and after St. Francis's death. So I have a picture of um, St. Francis. Nope. Not of St. Francis. Artwork. A painting of St. Francis. Well, I was looking at my Padre Pio picture. Oh, 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 okay. So I have a picture, and he looks kind of scurry, of St. Francis of Assisi being visited by the seraph. Um, There's skulls. There's, yeah. (laughs) There's bones by you. It's kind of a creepy picture. Why his face looked like that, though? Um... He's being I'm overcome with the, I don't know. It ain't cute, but go look. <laughs> <laughs> it's ugly. Check it out. It's, <laughs> it's a really good painting. Yeah. <laughs> Yay art. <laughs> Yay art. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Why did stigmata just materialize in 13th century Italy? I don't know. Part of the answer seems to lie in the theological trends of the time. The Catholic Church of St. Francis's day had begun to place more stress on the humanity of Christ and would soon introduce a new feast day, Corpus Christi, at the beach in Texas. No. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, wait a minute. At the beach in Texas. No. Um, a new feast day called Corpus Christi into the calendar to encourage contemplation of his physical sufferings. Okay. Religious painters responded by depicting the crucifixion explicitly for the first time, portraying a Jesus who was plainly in agony from wounds that dripped blood. I got a picture. Let's go see this. This would be some artwork of the crucifixion. You see the wounds in the hands and feet. Yeah. There's blood everywhere. Crown of thorns. There we go. All of it sucks. Yeah. People hang that kind of shit in their house. Why would you do that? Who wants to look at that every day? I know. I didn't think about that until I got older. I was like, actually, that's pretty That's pretty macabre right there. Yeah. It's kind of freaky. It's a little odd. Maybe I need one. Um. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> the contemporary obsession with the marks of crucifixion may best be demonstrated by an occurrence in Oxford, England, two years before St. Francis's vision. A young man was brought before the Archbishop of Canterbury, <laughs> Canterbury, <laughs> and charged with the heresy of declaring he was the son of God. I like heresy, too. Mm-hmm. In court, it was discovered that he had the five wounds, but the record includes no suggestion that these wounds were spontaneous, and it seems he may have actually allowed himself to be crucified. What the? Either because he genuinely believed he was Christ, oh. or because he wanted others to believe that he was. It's a little cray. Mm-hmm. From the 14th to the 20th century, more than 300 people were identified as having been stigmatized, most of them women. Yeah. More than 60 were declared saints or the blessed in the Roman Catholic Church. Famous among these are Johann Yetzer, a Swiss farmer who displayed the stigmata in 1507. St. Padre Pio, a capuchin, another great <laughs> word, a capuchin monk who is also supposed to have experienced a number of other strange phenomena, including numerous miraculous healings. Ooh. I have a picture of St. Padre Pio. Heal me. And you can see the wounds in his hands. Oh, shit. And this is him when he was younger. There are pictures 
all over the interweb of him older and like speaking. Okay. So there's others to find if you want. So the wounds go way back. Yeah. Okay. And Therese Newman, the controversial German stigmatic who claimed to have lived for years on nothing more than communion wafers and wine. Look. <laughs> Y'all ever tried communion wafers? Mm-mm. It's I'm like, not having wine and cardboard for the rest of my life. Just lick cardboard and that's what they Mm-mm. taste like. So I have a very disturbing picture of Therese Newman. There are kids oh. visiting her in the hospital oh while she's covered in blood She's like it's 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 not it is running down her face from um, her eyeballs. Yes, she cries blood. Yeah, there are tons of pictures of her as well. In all of them, she has tears of blood, and her wounds are showing in all of them. But I just thought this one was so like, look what at, the fuck? These look kids, at that little girl. Look she's terrified. These children have been traumatized for their entire lives. There's no coming back from that shit. No, no. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. So that's Miss Newman. Uh, Until the 20th century, reports of stigmata were confined to Catholic Europe, but the most recent count of contemporary cases made about a decade ago included about 25 cases scattered around the world, including one in Korea and one in Japan. Hey. <laughs> oh no. As previously mentioned, the vast majority have always been women. According to analysis, that ratio has changed dramatically in the last half century. It is suggested that this may be explained by the changes in the balance of authority between men and women, both in church and society. And that in previous centuries, women may have manifested stigmata to draw attention to themselves in a society dominated by men and in a church that excluded them from the priesthood. No, we're just more in tune. Yeah, that's what that is. <laughs> I'm going to go with attention-seeking. Because, well, when you think about no, it, throughout yeah. history, there have been so many women who wanted to be able to lead in the church. Absolutely. As they should be able to. And that's a no-no. Mm-hmm. But they get the attention of priests and bishops if they're stigmatized. I mean, I totally get it. The record shows other patterns as well. Before Padre Pio, no priest had received the stigmata. Since then, several have. The location of the wounds themselves has begun to change as medical knowledge has advanced. This is my biggest thing Mm -hmm, here. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Traditionally, two of the five wounds have appeared on the palms, where countless icons have shown that the nails were supposed to have been hammered into Christ's hands during crucifixion. It has since been determined that nails positioned in this way cannot support the weight of a body, and that... The Romans crucified their victims by driving a nail into the arm just above the wrist. Yes. Your body weight cannot be held by your hand. It by would your hands. It would rip straight through that. What all this suggests is, first, that this phenomenon is culturally based. I sounded like a teacher. There seem to be no parallels in any of the major non-Christian religions, and with the exception of the odd 20th century Anglican or Baptist stigmatic, sufferers are members of the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. Evidence for the reality of stigmata is sketchy at best. Father Herbert Thurston, the great Jesuit authority on the physical phenomena of mysticism. These are such big words. I have I have lots of Italian words. Mm, no. I'm scared. <laughs> so Herbert said... 
that there had been no completely believable case since that of St. Francis. Today, the Catholic Church itself takes a cautious view of the phenomenon, accepting that miracles can indeed occur while declining to formally acknowledge even St. Francis's stigmata as miraculous. Oh. Yeah. Okay. How do we explain this phenomenon? Yeah. 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 Fraud certainly figures in some cases. Magdalena de la Cruz, the famous Spanish stigmatic of the 16th century, whose frequent self-mortification and spectacular wounds made her a favorite at court. She eventually confessed to having inflicted her own injuries. Johann Jetzer, who we spoke about earlier, claimed to have experienced not only poltergeist phenomenon, but also a series of religious visions, confessed in 1507 that his stigmata were fake. Four okay. friars from his monastery were sadly burned at the stake, and Yetzer himself escaped death only after his mother smuggled him a set of women's clothes that he used to bluff his way out of his cell. Such a sweet mommy. Mm, mommy dearest. Yeah. <laughs> Aside from cases of fraud, the appearance of stigmata appears to be an essentially psychological condition whose manifestations are determined by the cultural expectations of the stigmatics themselves. Yeah. A large number of sufferers seem to have displayed evidence of low Mm self-esteem, health problems, Mm -hmm. or a tendency towards Mm self-mutilation. A dangerous combination when added to the exposure to the sometimes severe iconography of centuries of Christian tradition. It has been shown beyond a reasonable doubt that many have inflicted the wounds on themselves, sometimes unconsciously, perhaps while in an altered state of consciousness brought on by extensive fasting or intensive prayer. Drink your juice, Shelby. (laughs) Drink your juice. Would you just eat some crackers? But when we were talking about on our possession episode. Mm Mm-hmm. And talking about what a psychological toll some of these households put on their members to live a certain type of Christian lifestyle. Yeah. You have to pray at certain times of the day Mm -hmm. in a certain way. You have to eat in a certain way. Mm -hmm. You have to do things in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And the the toll that takes on you. That's all that's like. Makes you fall asleep in church is what it does. (laughs) For fuck's sake. That's why they need, that's why they stand up and kneel and then stand up and kneel to so keep you awake. Make sure everybody's awake. Yep. Is that the rules? I don't know. That's just what I've determined. <laughs> <laughs> so, is stigmata real or a hoax or something in between? The claimed miracle of stigmata is very difficult to scientifically verify. Mm-hmm. Veteran researcher James Randi in his book that I need to read. Encyclopedia of Claims, Frauds, and Hoaxes of the Occult and Supernatural. Where is this? I don't know. I got to Google it. Yeah. Notes that since 24-hour-a-day surveillance would be necessary to establish the validity of these phenomena as miracles, no case of stigmata exists that can be said to be free of suspicion. And though the possibility of genuine stigmata can never be ruled out, it is interesting to note that in all such cases, the wounds in the hands appear at the palms, which agrees with religious paintings, but not with the actualities of crucifixion. The wounds should appear at the wrists. Yes. And I really want to read that book. Yeah. If stigmata is real, there is no medical or scientific explanation for it. Wounds do not suddenly and spontaneously appear on people's bodies for no reason. Nope. Some sort of weapon or tool can always be identified as causing the trauma. 
Without a medical exam, it is impossible to distinguish a minor surface wound from a genuine and serious puncture wound identical to that caused by a Roman-era crucifixion spike. X-rays, which would definitively determine whether a wound is superficial or truly pierces a limb, have never been done on stigmatics. There are no documentary photographs, films, or videos of wounds appearing and beginning to bleed. Instead, the evidence for the existence of stigmata comes from eyewitnesses who see wounds that are already bleeding and whose explanation must be taken on faith. And we all know eyewitness accounts aren't always... uh, Accurate? Yes, thank you. Okay, absolutely. Mm Mm-hmm. It is, of course, considered highly disrespectful to challenge the honesty and integrity of a person who claims to be suffering from Christ's wounds. Stigmatics appear to be sincere and almost certainly often are in at least some pain, even if a wound is superficial. It takes a brave skeptic to accuse a beloved friar of fraud or faking the wounds, even if that's what the evidence clearly suggests. Even those with legitimate suspicions may prefer to remain silent if it helps spread the gospel and serves a larger purpose. Until a person suffering from stigmata allows himself or herself to be subjected to close medical scientific investigation, the phenomena, phenomenon <laughs> for some will remain a myth. And that is your, your part. <laughs> yes. Is that really your that case? That is my segment. There you go. I think it's plain <sighs> to see where, where I stand on the matter. Yeah. But there is a vast amount of people that believe to their core that that's a possibility, that it happens, that it's true, that it's real. And, I mean, I don't believe that it is real. I don't have an explanation for the people that, you know, supposedly eyewitnesses saw and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Mass hysteria is a thing. It is. It uh, is. And wanting to be involved in something great. Right. So let's say we have, you know, father fuck up over here. And he, <laughs> <laughs> he, decides, he decides he's going to, he's going to fake a stigmata. Okay. For attention. That's mm. why he's father fuck up. Yeah. Say someone walks in the room and he's already bleeding. Okay. And he tells this person that story. Well, they, they trust father fuck up. So they start telling people and then everybody wants to see the scars. Everybody wants to see the wounds and then it spreads and people who have a deep faith so desperately want to be involved in something miraculous. Right. It can spread like a wildfire. Absolutely. Yep. And why would it just start happening randomly 1200 years after his death? Only in Catholicism because Jesus is. That's not the only religion with Jesus. Yeah, where they believe he was crucified and everything. Mm-hmm. So, what's I, the deal, pickle? I do, I mean, <laughs> look, I believe. I just, I just realized this is kind of fucked up. We believe in the supernatural. <laughs> well, I do to a certain extent. I'm a skeptic, and yeah, in a lot of things. Well, yeah, because a lot of people fake that too. Yeah, you know. All right, my turn. Okay, my turn. Okay. I picked a person because I did go into yours and I saw that you were doing the St. Francis and I thought that that was your case. Like that's as far as I got. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, she's doing some history and then she's doing a case. Cool. So I didn't pick the same person she picked. (laughs) (laughs) Trick Jeff. Yeah. So that totally like threw me through a loop. But mine is on Natuza Evolo. I love it. Natuza. Natuza. 
And her stigmata is a little bit different. She doesn't have, like, the wounds. Hers mm-hmm. does something a little bit different, and I'm about to tell you about it. Okay, I'm excited. Hers is called hemography. It's the process where blood from the stigmata or bloody sweat is miraculously formed into Christian writing, images, and symbols upon handkerchiefs, bandages, etc. Okay. Presumably through divine intervention. As blood from a mystic bearing the stigmata is symbolic of Jesus' passion, the images, writings, and symbols themselves often symbolize the passion and other mysteries of the Christian faith. Whoa. Hemography sounds dope. You know what I just realized? We don't hmm. have any trigger warnings this episode. Wow. Maybe we should, though. <laughs> Maybe we should have. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Self-mutilation, maybe? Possibly. Possible um, self-mutilation. Yeah, I didn't Religious really talk. Okay, so triggers. It's a little late now. It's fine. <laughs> Better late than never. Mm-hmm. That's For sure, the authenticity of the hemographic phenomenon cannot be easily dismissed or discounted simply because this particular alleged mystical phenomenon cannot be documented in a wide range of people, especially in the case of Natusa. There are homographies occurring on literally many hundreds of occasions over the course of decades and witnessed by a variety of scientific, scientific, <laughs> scientific, medical and religious professionals, you know, like us, like professionals, I guess. <laughs> yeah. As we sit here with curlers and slippers on. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, along with countless, like, common folk, which is... There we, yeah, are. There we are. We're the countless common folk. <laughs> <laughs> with Natuza, we also have a person of our modern age. She died in 2009. Oh, my. Okay. She's been studied and scrutinized by countless persons over the course of literally 75 years for the investigation of the variety of mystical phenomena which she is said to possess... Yet she remains quite highly regarded amongst the Italian people from all spectrums of society. Interesting. Okay. But before we begin our little study of the hemographic happenings to the life of, in the life of Natuza, it would be beneficial to give a brief little summary of her holy life. All right. Born Fortunata, nicknamed Natuza. Okay. What was wrong with Fortunata? I don't know. I like that. Yeah. I, I see the the where the nickname came from. I mean, Natuza's like pretty. Yeah, Natuza's pretty cool too. But Fortunata, why Fortunata, would you? Yeah, Fortunata, dinner's ready. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, great. so she was born on August twenty third, nineteen twenty four, in Paravati, a small town near Melito, Italy, and she has remained in the town of Paravati all of her life. Oh, that's sad. Get out, girl. I know. Go travel. Go do something. Ooh. Her father, Fortunato. Nice. That's why they did that. Okay. That's why you're Natusa. Immigrated to Argentina to look for work a few months before Natusa's birth. And sadly, the family never saw him again. So he went to get cigarettes and never came back. Yes. Okay. So Natusa's mother, Maria Angela Valente, was obligated to work and feed the family. At a tender age, Natuza sought to help her mother and brothers and was therefore unable to go to school. Oh, I hate that. Sadly, she never learned to read or write. In 1944, Natuza married a carpenter named Pascal Nicoles. Nicoles? Yeah. Something. And together they had 
five children. That's too many kids. I have a photo of them, though. Okay. It's not all the kids, but... Okay. But there's He looks lit, like he's asleep. He does kind of look like he's asleep. He's not here for the picture. The sun's in his eyes. He's ready to go. Um, That outfit is the cutest, though. I know. I love the little hat and the coat. That's adorbs. Pascal thinks he's a model. He's I mean, smizing. Yeah. Tyra yeah, Banks yeah, style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, he's got the look. And Natuza, I'm sorry, boo-boo, but you look tired. Natuza's tired. She had five kids. That's too much kids for one person. No, I take that back. Lots of people do that very gracefully. I, I would know, not be one of just, them. <laughs> I would not be one of them. Look, all the props to y'all. If you have that many kids. I, it's, I, I ain't the one. I, I can't do it. I ain't the one. And to think I used to want a Brady Bunch scenario. I used to want six kids. Three I boys had three a girls. Brady Bunch scenario. I don't, now, I don't want that life. I got my one, and he's fabulous and spoilt and more than anyone could handle. Yeah. I'm I'm good with that. But I'm good precious. with my handful. I'm good with my handful. Because <laughs> <laughs> anything bigger than a handful is just a waste. <laughs> oh, perfect. Talk shit about my boobs? No, I was making fun of the quote. I've always thought that was stupid. Because mine are like voluptuous. It's like five handfuls. <laughs> Hold on, let's count. Three and a half. <laughs> Three and a half handfuls per boob. Oh my god. I'm a lot of woman. <laughs> a so lot of woman. <laughs> a lot of woman. <laughs> I don't even know where I was. Okay. On May 13th, 1987, with permission of Monsignor Domin- Domenico Cortese. Nice. The Bishop of Mileto Nic. <laughs> Y'all, here it is. Here's the paragraph. Just, I can't. I'm going to slow it down. Bishop of Melito Nicotera Tropea Natuza felt inspired by heaven to form an association called Fondazion Cur Immacolato di Maria Refugio della Enemy. Enemy. It looks like anime to me. Which means the Immaculate Heart of Mary Refuge of Souls Foundation. Okay, that's great. I'm happy for you, Natusa. I love this journey for you. That's too much. Can we abbreviate it? Yeah. Yeah, like the F-C-I-M-R-A. Still too much. (laughs) I don't know. Sounded good. The foundation was later formally approved by the bishop. The foundation currently houses a chapel where her remains are kept. That's kind of badass. I know. I kind of want to go. I kind of want to go. At age 14 in 1938, Natusa was hired as a servant for the family of a lawyer named Silvio Coloca. Nice. It was here that her mystical experiences began to be noticed and documented by other persons. The first incident was when Miss Coloca and Natusa were walking in the countryside when Miss Coloca noticed blood coming from one of Natusa's feet. Because she stepped on something. Doctors Domenico and Giuseppe Nakari examined Natuza, and they documented a significant perspiration of blood in the upper region of her right foot, the cause of which is unknown. Extraordinary events multiplied during these years, including ecstasy, by location. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I mean... (laughs) Okay, ecstasy. By location, dialogues with her guardian angel and the dead, diagnosis of diseases, and healing powers. 
All right. Visible and epigraphic stigmata would appear. The most evident wounds were not in the palms of her hands and feet, as in almost all other stigmatics, but on her wrists and ankles. In addition to the crown of thorns and the wound on her side, she had wounds in sacred shapes, like crosses, a holy face, angels, Madonna. On her knees, forearms, and face when her blood came into contact with fabric, prayers, hymns, or religious names written in different languages would appear. That's weird. I have photos. Okay. Let's go take a look. It looks like burn marks. It does. It's a cross and looks like JJ to me, on the other hand, honestly. Yeah. I don't know what that's supposed to be, but it looks like burn marks. Yeah, it's like... Like somebody branded her fucking wrists. It's like, okay, like, you know when you get a blood blister? Like mm-hmm. when you pinch your finger and it makes a little blood bubble? Mm-hmm. It's like that. Okay. I moved on to the next picture. Okay. Next picture is a little bit more entertaining. Look at her knees. What in the holy fuck? the fuck does this happen? And the wounds on her hands are different. I'm just... (laughs) It looks like her grandkids... Were drawing on her. Drew on her knees Mm -hmm. with a brown marker. Mm -hmm. Because it don't even look the same as the ankles and the wrists. Right. Just going to leave it there. Yeah. (laughs) It happened again in 1940 at age 16, and it continued in various degrees until her death on the Feast of All Saints Day, November 1st, 2009. (sighs) The homographies take place when her stigmata actively bleeds or when she sweats blood from various parts of her body. That's called transudation, just in case you want to know. That's a big word. Yeah, learned a new one. Mm -hmm. It occurred most often during Lent and always on Good Friday. Natuza's happened when a handkerchief, bandage, or garment touches the actively bleeding wounds or bloody sweat, like I've said. The writings and the symbols of the homographies are always of a Christian nature. Never have they ever (laughs) (laughs) been any symbols, images, or words that did not have a Christian meaning. How was that drawing of a girl on her knee determined to be of a Christian nature? To me, those could be be interpreted as... uh, so many things. Her granddaughter could have been drawing a picture of a Barbie doll. Yeah. Self-portrait. It could have been anything. I mean, there's no way to know. Okay. Without a doubt, this phenomenon is not subject to Natuza's own will. As many times people have approached her requesting a blood writing, but it does not take place, even after numerous requests and attempts. So she can't do it at will. Yeah. Of course. Because there are people there to see. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. In his book, Natuza of Paravati, Dr. Valerio, Valerio mm-hmm. Marilene, Marinelli mm-hmm. examined more than 100 homographies, interviewing the persons involved and including many photographs of the homographies in his book. The testimonies below are taken from this book. Okay. All right. So here's the testimony of Giuseppina Purone on March 19th, 1969. She said it was St. Joseph's Feast Day. I had gone to visit Natuza together with my son, Antonio, who was a student at Melito Seminary. Natuza was suffering because of the wounds she had on her wrists, when all at once she fainted in a fit of pain. Soon afterwards, she recovered her senses, and we helped her to sit on a chest. We noticed that her that a wrist of hers, I believe the left one, was bleeding. Around it, there was a white gauze, which became partly red in color, 
In fact, the image of a thorn crown and a host with the letters IHS had appeared inside. We ourselves removed the little gauze from her re- from her wrist, and I still keep it. Ew. Yeah. Germs. Antonio, her son, who was 12 years old at the time, told me he had got really frightened in seeing all that and added he was completely certain about the color of the gauze in which from white turned into red. I don't have photos of that one. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, You're forgiven. Okay. (laughs) I do have some more photos. Okay. Here's another testimony of Anna Chamiri during Holy Week in 1969. During Holy Week, my mother, my sister Carmelina, the chemist um, Amalia Giampa, (laughs) (laughs) together with me and some other people decided to go to Natusa in the afternoon. We found her in a painful situation. She had some sore wounds on her wrist. We noticed they were wrapped in some rather rough bandages, which had been cut away from sheets. We all thought she would have suffered less if her wrists had been wrapped in softer bandages. I personally went to the pharmacy to get some bandages and gauzes. I then unwrapped the ones around her wrists, and I saw there were no hemographic drawings. But, but... Then I put on new bandages around her wrist and bound up her hand. While I was taking the other hand, the gauze that I had just put on her wrist a few minutes before fell on her lap with the part which had been in contact with her wound facing upwards. So we instantly saw that the blood had formed the drawing of a host with the letters IHS inside. What What is IHS? IHS means I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It was, I want to say that again, the sterilized gauze I had just bought and personally put on her wrist, and I affirmed that there were no other gauzes under the old bandages. It was also confirmed by her mother and also the pharmacist, Amalia Giampa. Okay. Okay, now I have the testimony of Miss Maria Mentelli, one of her school teachers. Okay. It was the second Friday in Lent, 1972. We meaning um, Maria and her cousin Rosetta, went to church and we heard Mass, but Natuza didn't come. When they were leaving the church, we saw Natuza was coming with her husband. She was clearly ill and her head was covered with a fallard and she had some difficulty in walking. She desired to attend the next Mass and we went back into church with her. They did it twice. They went to church twice. That's too much church for one day. At the moment of the elevation of the hosts where they like hold it up and bless it, When they're standing at the altar. Oh, my cow. Okay. I noticed that her face was beaded with blood. Then she took a handkerchief and wiped her face, and immediately some hemographic drawings formed on it. But unfortunately, I don't remember them any longer. This handkerchief was then given to Rosetta, and apparently it disappeared. Are you stupid or something? After attending the Mass, we went to Paravati all together. I remember it was very cold, and a stove was switched on. At a certain moment, we saw that a wound on her wrist was bleeding. <gasps> Shocker. <laughs> so I took my handkerchief, and keeping it folded, I put it on that wrist. She kept it there for about 20 minutes, and then afterwards gave it back to me. I unfolded it and found a wonderful homography inside. There was the writing Progeria, which means prayer, at the top. A big monstrance with the letters IHS and CI on the left, a crown of thorns below, and on the right, 12 figures representing mankind. Okay. These figures appear to be men, women, children, priests in front of Christ who held his arms open. We're lost. 
on the left, there was the figure of Our Lady watching them. Just closer to our Lord, we can also distinguish a saint. If we watch the figure of Christ carefully, we can easily see that it is made of two images, one laid upon the other. The first is Christ's image with his head leaning on the cross, and just behind, there's the figure of God the Father. That sounds pretty fucking detailed. Yeah. I don't know. Look, just go take a, go, go take a look at the picture okay. of handkerchief one. Um... Okay, no. Okay. Okay, no. <laughs> I'm just going to say no. Um, No. It looks like it was done in black ink pen to begin with. A kid drew on this. That's mm-hmm. what it looks like. A fucking kid drew on it. Yeah. They were bored at church, mm-hmm. and that's what they drew. On their dad's handkerchief. Mm-hmm. Or mom's, whichever. They drew a flower mm-hmm. with an IHS in the middle. What the fuck does that stand for? I need I don't to know, know that. I just... Uh, <laughs> Okay. She says, I can definitely assure you about the authenticity of this phenomenon, that handkerchief was mine, and I had just taken it out of my bag. And much more than this, the phenomenon had taken place under my own eyes. Mm. Moreover, it had appeared in the middle of the folded handkerchief, perfectly traced, with no blood stains around. I can't really explain that. Because it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And surprise, surprise. There's another testimony from the same teacher a couple years later during Lent. Maria, get your shit together. So during Lent in 1974 or 1975, I don't remember which year exactly, I drove with Rosetta and Natuza from Cantazaro, Cadenzaro. Cadenzaro to Paravati. It was early in the afternoon. Since Natuza was sitting near me, I could easily notice that her wounds were visible but not open. I gave her a handkerchief of mine, and I asked if she could put it on her wrist. When we arrived at Paravati, she gave it back to me. Upon unfolding the handkerchief, it showed drawings in the middle. There was a thorn crown, a heart made up of several little flames, the host with the writing IHS again, um, and an unknown figure. Go take a look at handkerchief two. This bitch drawing on the handkerchiefs and giving them to her. I think she's just bored. Got the IHS... Which the H always has like a little cross in the upper part of it, so. Because it's holy. (laughs) I hate sinners. That's it. That's what it stands for. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Preach, and it says preach on the top. I hate sinners. Preach. Preach. I'm here for that. (laughs) Well, here's another handkerchief little incident with another one of her teachers, Miss Giovanna de Chiara. On Easter Monday in 1975, she says, Natuza was in my home in Catanzaro. There were also my sisters, Nella Pirelli. I love that. (laughs) And guess who's there? Guess who's back, back. Back, back, back again, again, again. Mm-hmm. again. Rosetta, Rosetta Stone. <laughs> Rosetta Stone. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I didn't realize this till now, but Miss Rosetta is uh, popping up a lot. Miss Rosetta drawing on them handkerchiefs. <laughs> I think it might be. <laughs> She's the artiste. I didn't realize that until I'm reading this out loud. This bitch is everywhere. <laughs> Yay, art. <laughs> Yay, art. <laughs> Yay, art. And I learned it from Rosetta Stone. 
Stone worked for me. I know that was hooked on phonics, but I'm just gonna Whatever. we're just going. And I know Rosetta Stone doesn't teach you how to draw. I'm no. just saying it just fit for a second. That's what I'm saying. Like we're just going anyway. <laughs> way we want with it at this point. <laughs> this is our podcast, <laughs> and we are old and cranky, and we can do what we want to do. It's our podcast, hey. and we'll fuck it up if we want to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather not. Oh, honey, we're already there. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently it's entertaining for others, though. They like the shit show as well. Yeah. Okay. All right, so Rosetta back. (laughs) Rosetta's back. At a certain moment, we noticed that her wrist was bleeding. (gasps) So we asked her to produce a homography for our nephew, Andrea Pirelli. Andre. Andre. Yeah, I think it's Andrea. Natuza put a white handkerchief that I had given her before on that wrist. She kept it there for 10 or 15 minutes, then she gave it to me. There were only some blood stains on it, so I put it on the table and my sisters and I could easily see that the blood was moving by itself. No way. Yeah. Writing letter by letter, S. Valeriana, Valeriano. Valeriano Martyr. Yeah. Okay. Then the rest of the blood mixed up and formed the figure of a saint, which we, of course, attributed to St. Valeriano. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. Naturally. Yeah. On this handkerchief, there are also the figure of Our Lady holding the rosary, Jesus's heart pierced through by a sword, the host with... IHS inside and a thorn crown. I can't say if these figures appeared contemporaneously or before or soon after the writing because our attention had been completely caught by the blood moving and writing by itself. I mean, naturally. Of course that would catch your attention. Let's go take a look at handkerchief three. It just formed into this. They just watched it before their very eyes. Y'all. 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 Yep. I'm done with the words because it's the same words as all the other words. (sighs) What are words? (sighs) I don't know. When we read the name appeared on the handkerchief, Natuza said aloud, But who is this saint? Does he even exist? Well, Dr. Valerie Marinelli goes on to explain in his book, Andrea, the person to whom the homography had been given, told me that he had gone to Verona, you know, where like Romeo and Juliet are, Mm -hmm. in the same year. There he had visited the church of Fathers Pellegrini in order to see a statue representing St. Valeriano, which, according to some people, seemed to have shed tears sometime before. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of that, like, yeah, about statues shedding tears. It's a thing. Moreover, he told me that some of the Pellegrini fathers, during a pilgrimage on Rome, on the occasion of a holy year, found an urn in a church with this inscription on it: "The bones of S. Valeriano." Dun dun dun. Yeah. On seeing that, he went on saying they had become really sorry because they themselves kept a case containing his bones in Verona. They stole the bones. Oops. Yeah, thieving bastards. My bad. Mm. 
Once they returned, they prayed to the saint to make them know something precise about the bones they were saving in that case. I don't know. When their prayers were over, they felt all intense smell of lilies. I don't know. I mean, I like lilies. I like lilies. Even though no flowers were around and all at once, the statue began shedding tears. Because of this, Andrea had a really deep devotion for that saint, but neither Natuza nor his aunts were aware at this time of the homography. Interesting. The end. Well, this is quite um, a story. <laughs> it, it was a good story, though, right? It was a good story. I don't believe that one. Mm-mm. But it was like, so insane. I had to shed light. But I, I'm not I think a all the, the handkerchief stuff is hoaxy. Yeah, it's all that's hoaxy. Bullshit. The wounds that I see displayed, the ones that look like actual wounds, mm-hmm. look like burn marks. Look like she had somehow burned herself. Almost like a brand is what that looks mm-hmm. like to me. Mm-hmm. And maybe she didn't burn herself. Maybe somebody else did. Okay. But well, you know how some people have that like really thin skin, and if they bump it, it makes like those marks, kind of like. It, it's very common oh, yeah. with elderly people. Um, I wonder. I don't know what it's called, but hemophilia. Okay, where what you if, just what bleed if she all has the time. that, and she just decided to bump her arm in a pattern on something. Maybe, like maybe there's there's, and the fact that no one told me what IHS means pisses me off. I feel like that's something we should know. I found it in Latin. The inscription came to stand for Jesus Savior of Humankind. IHS is often used as a monogram on worship furnishings. I didn't know that. Mm-mm. That's from the United Methodist Church. <laughs> well, that's not Catholic. <laughs> I know, but I looked up what does IHS mean in Catholic, and that's what pops up. Okay. So, okay. There so you we, go. S- we, we sort of know. Answered. Yeah. Okie dokie. Well, good find. Thank you. Her name didn't pop up in my stuff, and that's really interesting. Cool. Okay. A little bit of. Knowledge for you. Drop a knowledge bomb on you. (laughs) I don't know why. It's chaos in here. Tom. Tom. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for Guess That Cryptid! Something like exactly that. Like that. That's pretty close. <laughs> That'll work. That'll work. Okay. Well, are we already on clue number two? Yeah, cryptid two, clue two. It is said to have a humanoid body. One more time. One more. One more. It is said to have a humanoid body. Okay. Yeah, that didn't help me not one single bit if I didn't know it. Yeah. So, there you go. <laughs> I have May the feeling. odds be ever in your favor. Y'all are smart. Y'all are smart. There's some smart It only cookies. took three last time. We've had a couple good guesses so far. Yeah, actually. I'm pretty entertained with the guesses. Yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. But they weren't right. No. Sorry, guys. Y'all got this one wrong. Stay tuned for the next one. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that's it. We're fixing to go party. Party hardy. <laughs> so a little old lady twist. I'm doing the bounce. And the clap. Gotta do open finger clap. <laughs> Yay! Yay art! <laughs> Yay art! That's what I got from this episode. Yes. Yay art. 
Same. Oh. <laughs> I'm loving this for us. This is so great. We're so in sync even after 100 episodes. Oh, my God. It might be getting worse. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it just might be. All right. Well, we'll we're going to go party like... It's 1989 <laughs> with the Golden Girls. <laughs> who do you, who, which Golden Girl do you identify with? Let's let's see. Who who do you think you you would get? I know who I would get, and I hate that because she's not my favorite. Oh, who? I would be a Dorothy. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love you, but yeah, <laughs> I would be a Dorothy. You're the voice of reason in our group, okay? I would rather be a Sophia. I don't want to be a Rose, even though she's fabulous. Yeah. She just, I need more smarts. And oh, Sophia is the bomb. I don't want to be Blanche, because I don't need to be a hoe for show <laughs> in my old age. I just need to calm that shit down. <laughs> um, but I would like to be funny, like Sophia. Funny and funny. lovable. But I'm more cranky like Dorothy. <laughs> You're lovably cranky. Okay. That, I love you. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> so who would you be? <laughs> um, It's the, like, I've always thought Blanche was fabulous. Fabulous. And I am single in my <laughs> old age. <laughs> but, <laughs> however... <laughs> I do believe I am Rose. (laughs) (laughs) I do believe you're correct. (laughs) I think, yeah. But you know, Rose has the biggest heart of all of them. Are you mad at me? (laughs) Y'all, I will never, y'all, I don't know if I've ever told this story before. I don't know if we have or not. We've made fun of me for saying that, but like I legit. Me and Amanda had only been friends for what maybe a year at this point maybe Maybe a year and she texted me one day and asked me a question i don't text and drive i'm a big no text and driver yeah unless i'm expecting something important i don't even look at my phone while i'm driving but she texts me and i'm driving and i'm running errands and i don't look at my phone until what like 45 minutes later and she had texted me again after the initial text and said are you mad at me Because I didn't respond right away. And it was like, fuck, no, I'm driving. I'm not mad at you. Calm, Calm down, Rose. Calm down, Rose. Why do I feel like that's going to start becoming a thing? It should. <laughs> By the time you take them curlers out, your hair might be curly it like rest. It might be. Here's a hoping. <laughs> okay. I think it's probably time for us to go now. Yeah, I think we should. Okay, bye. Goodbye. Thanks for hanging out with us. Don't forget to visit us on Facebook and Instagram for episode picks and announcements. Please rate and review on Apple, Spotify, and Facebook. We want to give a huge shout out to Stephen Goetzky for editing, Craig Sweaver for music, and our very own Amanda Hagens for art. We'll talk at you next week.